Amen. Well, we have been in a series in the book of Acts for several weeks, and this this series has been very encouraging to me, just getting snapshots of what God was up to in the first century through the life of the early church and the life of the Apostle Paul. And this is going to be the last message on the book of Acts in that series. We're going to wrap it up today with Acts 27 and, and 28. With a message titled, Enduring the Storms. Enduring the Storms. Years ago, I had an opportunity to take a group of young people to camp up in Missouri. And one of the activities that they had there was called the treetops. And the treetops was an awesome activity to participate in. You're about 40 feet high in the air. And you're walking a a, a line, a, a steel line. Of course, you're attached to a, a, st- a line above that. The challenge is to get across without falling. And then some of, some of the, um, the obstacles, you do it with another, with another partner. You try to make it across there. And it doesn't look that intimidating when you look at it from the ground. But when you get up there about 40 feet high and you're trying to walk a tightrope, even though you're harnessed in, just something tends to come over your body that is very surprising when you're up there. And I loved it. It was, it was a really fun activity, but there was an insight that I, that I discovered while I was doing that activity on the treetops. And it was this, is that you needed not only physical strength to make it past these obstacles uh, on the treetops, but you also needed this mental strength, this inner strength to endure. Because I noticed that those who would look down and allow fear to cease them and paralyze them, they would just fall. And, and, and then if they, if they didn't resist that fear and fight that fear, they would just kind of give up and somebody would have to come and rescue them. Even though there was a harness above them to hold them up, it just kind of, when you're up there, it gets a little scary. To get past from one side to the other, you need some internal strength, some courage internally, and you can't give in to the fear that will cripple you and make you fall. We're going to look at a life that had this internal strength that came from God. The Apostle Paul went through many toils, snares, and trials, and God brought him safely through them, and he handled those with godly character, with hope, with endurance, with faith, and we see ultimately the providence of God sustaining his life and holding him up and bringing about God's good purposes in his life so that he could finish the race, so that he could testify in Rome. And so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 27. If you don't have your Bibles, it's going to be up there on the screen. Y'all bear with me. There's, there's some hard names to pronounce in this uh, text. We're going we're gonna to read through the story and then I'm going to uh, highlight a couple points. And, and when it was decided that we would sail for Italy, they delivered Paul and some of the other prisoners to a centurion of the Augustan cohort named Julius. And embarking in a ship of Atramidium, which was about to sail to the ports along the coast of Asia, we put to sea accompanied by Aristarchus a Macedonian from Thessalonica. The next day we put in at Sidon and Julius treated Paul kindly and gave him leave to go to his friends and be cared for. And putting out to sea from there, we sailed under the lee of Cyprus because the winds were against us. 
And when he had sailed across the open sea along the coast of Cilia and Pamphylia, we came to Myra and Lycia. There a centurion found the ship of Alexandria sailing from Italy and put us on board. We sailed slowly for a number of days and arrived with difficulty in Snidus. And as the wind did not allow us to go further, we sailed under the lee of Crete and of Salome. Coasting along it with difficulty, we came to a place called Fair Havens, near which was the city of Lacia. Since much time had passed and the voyage was now dangerous because even the fast was already over, Paul advised them, saying, Sirs, I perceive that the voyage will be with injury and much loss, not only the cargo in the ship, but also our lives. But the centurion paid more attention to the pilot and to the owner of the ship than to what Paul said. And because the harbor was not suitable to spend the winter in, the majority decided to put out to sea from there on the chance that somehow they would reach Phoenix, a harbor in Crete. Facing both southwest and northwest, spent the winter there. Now when the south wind blew greatly, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, they weighed anchor and they sailed along Crete, close to the shore. But soon a tempest wind called the northeasterner struck down from the land. And when the ship was caught and could not face the wind, we gave way to it and were driven along. Running under the lee of a small island called Kura, we managed with difficulties to secure the ship's boat. After hoisting it, they used supports to undergird the ship. Then fearing that they would run aground in the Sirtis, they lowered the gear, and thus they were driven along. Since we were violently storm-tossed, they began the next day to jettison the cargo. And on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. And when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, no small tempest lay on us. All hope for our being saved was at last abandoned. Since they had been without food for a long time, Paul stood up among them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not set sail for Crete and incurred this injury and loss. Yet now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only the ship. For this very night there stood before me an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I worship. And he said, do not be afraid, Paul, for you must stand before Caesar. And behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So take heart, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exa exactly as I have been told. We must run aground on some island. And when the 14th night had come, as we were being driven across the Adriatic Sea, about midnight, the sailors suspected that they were nearing land, and they took the sounding and found 20 fathoms. A little further on, the, on, they took a sounding again and found 15 fathoms. And fearing that we might run on the rocks, they let down four anchors from the stern and prayed for day to come. And as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship and had lowered the ship's boat into the sea under the pretense of laying out anchors from the bow, he said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut away the ropes and the ship's boat and let it go. 
And as day was about to dawn, Paul urged them to take some food, saying, Today is the fourteenth day that you have continued in suspense without food, having taken nothing. Therefore I urge you to take some food, for it will give you strength, for not a hair is to perish from the head of any of you. And when he had said these things, he took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of all. He broke it and began to eat. And they were all encouraged and they ate some food. We were in all 276 persons in the ship. And when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship, throwing out the wheat into the sea. And when it was day, they did not recognize the land and they noticed a bay with a beach on which they planned, if possible, to run the ship ashore. So they cast off the anchors and left them in the sea, and at the same time loosening the ropes that tied the rudders, then hoisting the foresail to the wind, they made for the beach. But striking a reef, they ran the vessel to the ground. The bow stuck and remained immovable, and the stern was being broken up by the surf. The soldiers' plans was to kill the prisoners, lest any should swim away and escape. But the centurion, wishing to save Paul, kept them from carrying out their plan. And he ordered that those who could swim to jump overboard first and make for the land, and the rest on planks or on pieces of the ship. And so it was that all were brought safely to the land, and all God's people said... Amen. Amen. Thank you for bearing with me with that long text with some difficult names that I know I botched up. Real quick here, I just want to want to give you a little uh, map here of, of this journey that Paul is on as he's headed to Rome. Okay, Paul is headed to Rome, uh, going from Caesarea. He's a prisoner. He appealed to Caesar. Okay, and so he's going to Rome to stand and give a defense for his case. He had done nothing wrong. He wasn't guilty. And so he's, he's on his way on this huge ship of 276 people. There's other prisoners there with them. They're on their way and they make their way up. And this was a time, time of year that sailors typically didn't sail because it was very dangerous to sail the sea from mid-September all the way into February. Sailors avoided avoided taking voyages like this during that time. And so Paul had advised them not to do so. And so they end up getting in trouble there. Here's the big idea. This is where we're going from the text here is that God preserved Paul's life through dangerous circumstances so that he could bear witness in Rome. God pre- preserved Paul's life through dangerous circumstances so that he could bear witness in Rome. Rome was the governing power of the world in that day. Paul had resolved to go to Rome to testify of the gospel. Back in Acts 19.21, Paul said this. He, or it says, now after these events, Paul resolved in the spirit to pass through Macedonia Macedonia and Echinacea and to go to Jerusalem saying, after I've been there, I must also see Rome. Paul had this sense that I must go to Rome and the Lord told him he, he should go to, or that he will go to Rome. The following night, the Lord stood by me. Acts 23, 11 says the following night, the Lord stood by me and said, take courage for as you've testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, you must testify also in Rome. 
So Paul had this sense of purpose and direction. He had this sense that God was leading him, that God was guiding him, that God had some divine appointments for him, some people for him to talk to. And so like Paul was resolved to go to Jerusalem, compelled by the Spirit, he was also compelled and led by the Spirit to go to Rome. Now here's a couple of things. I want to want to point out uh, how Paul's character and leadership was was brought to surface through this circum, circumstance, through this storm. Trials and pressure tend to have have a way of exposing who we really are, exposing our weaknesses and exposing our strengths. And when Paul was under pressure, when Paul was brought through the storm, through difficult times, we see godly character and leadership rise up from within him. So the first thing I want to point out is the wisdom and discernment that the Apostle Paul functioned in. Paul was no amateur traveler, okay? Paul had already been shipwrecked three times. So he had traveled hundreds of miles via a ship. And so he knew what it was like to be on the sea. He knew what it was like, knew it wasn't a good time to sail during the winter season. So he says this, he tells the, 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 the guys on the ship, he says, since much time has passed and the voyage was now dangerous because the fast was already over. This was, I believe, the day of atonement. Paul advised them saying, sirs, I perceive that the voyage will be with injury and much loss, not only the cargo and the ship, but our lives. But the centurion paid more attention to the pilot and the owner of the ship than to what Paul said. So here Paul's just, he's just an inmate. He's just another one of the prisoners. Okay. And they're not going to listen to him at this point. They're like, yeah, okay. We're going to do what we want to do. Paul didn't have a whole lot of influence at this point in the journey. But you'll see that that influence increases uh, in this story. So Paul had wisdom. Paul had wisdom and discernment that this is not a good idea. Now, let me just say this. Wisdom can save you and I from a lot of pain. Wisdom can save you and I from many storms. Oftentimes, we we lead ourselves into terrible storms and difficult circumstances in life because we don't apply biblical wisdom and common sense. Okay? It, it, It just happens. Wisdom helps us. Heeding wisdom given to us through scripture and through the experiences of other people who've been before us can save us a whole lot of pain. Okay, but there are storms and trials and circumstances that are going to come regardless of how wise you are and regardless of how godly you are. There are going to be storms that come your way. And so Paul gave wisdom. It wasn't heated at this point. They ended up in a despairing circumstance. Now, I want you to picture there being on um, on this ship during this time. I, I was trying to think of some movies that um, that might fit well. I'm not a movie buff, and so I, I don't have a lot of those in the arsenal to pull out for illustration. But I know there's several movies about being lost at sea and on the water for long periods of time. And so maybe think about one of those movies for a second, what it must have felt like to be shipwrecked and without hope in despair without seeing any light at the end of the tunnel this is it it's over okay notice what what luke describes here 
He says in verse 18, he says, Since we were violently storm-tossed, they began the next day to jettison the cargo. Okay, so that's not a good sign. They're getting rid of the cargo. They're throwing it out. Okay, we got to do whatever we can do to make it through this storm. Okay, by the way, let me let me just say this too. This is this is kind of the opposite of um, of Jonah. Y'all remember the story of Jonah? Jonah was on a boat, and there was a storm. And he was the problem. He was the he was the instigator, if you will. He was the reason why those guys were experiencing a storm because he was running from God, rebelling against what God had told him to do. This is Paul, and he was right smack in the middle of God's will, doing God's will, do, preaching the gospel, making disciples about the Father's business. And yet he was hit with a storm as well. And instead of being a troublemaker, like Jonah t- seemed to be in that circumstance and causing the trouble, Paul was a peacemaker and he helped bring peace and comfort and resolution. And he helped walk these guys through this difficult time. Okay, back to verse 19. And on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and no small tempest lay on us. All hope for being saved was last, at last abandoned. These are weighty words right here. Let, let these sink in for a moment. I don't know if you've ever been, you've been brought to this point in your life where there is no hope for being rescued. No hope for being saved. I don't know. Maybe you have a family member who's going through something who's in that position. Or you know somebody who's gone through something like that before. But this is no easy place to be. A place of despair. A place that Luke describes when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days. Okay? Now, this is not a good sign for sailors. Because sailors would use the stars for navigation. So if they couldn't see the stars, then they would have trouble finding out where they're at and where they're going. They were lost and they had no sense of direction, no hope. There was no hope even for their own lives. And let me just say this too, that even though in our storms and circumstances and trials in this life, even though we may not be able to see the sun, it doesn't change the fact that the sun is still there. And the sun's going to shine again. It's going sun's going to shine through the dark clouds. Going to pierce the darkness. We will see God's goodness in our lives. We will see God come through, even though you're going through a valley of the shadow of death or a dark season of your soul in this time of life. There is hope for you and I, who are believers in Jesus Christ. Hope that is like an anchor to our souls that holds us down through. The most difficult storms in this life. These guys had no hope, but the apostle Paul knew the God of all hope. And he got a promise from the God of all hope. Paul was tuned to the will of God, to the voice of God, and he heard from God and he got hope that came from him. That's verse 23 and 24. Paul says, for this very night there stood before me an angel of God to whom I belong and worship. Paul was a Christian. Here's opportunity for him to witness. The whole book of Acts is about witnesses, about believers in Jesus Christ being witnesses of Jesus in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, 
and to the ends of the earth. And the Apostle Paul gave his life to be a witness, to testify of the gospel of grace. And so here he was in this circumstance, in this trying circumstance where at first he didn't have a lot of credibility and a lot of trust from the other people on the boat. They didn't heed his advice. They didn't consider him a very credible person at first. Okay? Um, but he hears from God. He heard a word from the Lord. And he says, uh, the God to whom I belong and whom I worship. Remember back in Acts 26 last week, Paul testified after he had become a Christian that he had, he had experienced to that very day help that had come from God. He testified after he became a Christian what his life was like. And he experienced help that had come from God through his relationship with God. And here, Paul's saying, I belong to him. If we got any kids in here, we, we, um, we have a catechism question. What is our only hope in life and death? That we are not our own, but belong to God. What is our only hope in life and death that we are not our own but belong to God? Paul knew who whose he was. He knew who he was. He knew whose he was. And he knew that God ultimately was holding his life in his hands. Okay? And God's holding you in his hands as well. Paul heard a word from God. A word from God makes all the difference in your storm. A word from God makes all the difference in your storm to distill and dismantle the fears, to drive away the darkness and despair. A word from God. And this is what he said. An angel of the Lord said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar and behold, God has granted you and all granted you and all those who sell with you. So Paul heard from God and then he encouraged the crew. Okay. This is leadership here. Paul is taking leadership. He, this is his time to shine when everyone else is crumbling under the pressure of the circumstances. This man of character rose up with godly conviction, with hope that came from the Almighty because he had heard from God and it was God who was sustaining him. It was God who was helping him. And he says, man, you should have listened to me. Okay? And I don't think he was he was trying to, you know, like shame him, you know, or, or, or being, I don't think he was being haughty and saying, this is what you get. You should have listened to me, right? I don't think he was, he was being annoying and, 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 and trying to, condemn them but i think he's trying to highlight the credibility that he has as a man of character and leadership as a man who knows the one true god who's in relationship with the one true god man you should have listened to me and not have set sail to crete and incurred this injury and loss yet now i urge you to take heart for there will be no loss of life among you how sweet and comforting are words of hope when you can't see any light and you can't see any deliverance. You can't see any light at the end of the tunnel to hear words of hope that aren't just empty, kind of it's going to be okay, but that are filled with substance and strength because they come from God. Words of hope. There will not be loss of life among you, but only the ship. 
For this very night there stood before me an angel of God to whom I belong. Verse 25. So take heart, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have as I've been told. But we must run aground to some island. Paul also believed God. Paul heard from God. He believed God. He encouraged these other guys. Paul was was optimistic in this circumstance. He was a realist, but he was also optimistic and encouraging in this circumstance. Yeah, there's going to be some loss. There's going to be shipwrecked. He wasn't, he wasn't sticking his head in the sand and saying, well, it's going to be, you know, smooth sailing from here, guys. No, there's going to be, there's going to be some loss and there's going to be some shipwreck. But you know what? God's going to bring us through this. Paul had a prophetic word from the Lord to stand upon. So he encourages them, take heart, men. Have faith in God. It'll be exactly, I believe that it will be exactly as I've been told. But we must run aground to some island. Paul displayed godly character and leadership in this time. Notice, notice that Paul was responding to the sovereignty of God, the providence of God. Now this is important because the sovereignty of God, divine sovereignty and human responsibility are compatible. Uh, many folks tend to overemphasize one or the other to the neglect of the other. But here we see in this text we see paul he has a word from god they're gonna make it but does that mean that they just sit passively because they're gonna sail smoothly in uh to the destination no there, there was some action that needed to be taken uh verse 24 says he says do not be afraid you must stand before caesar god has granted you all the life lives of those who will sail with you this was a sure certain word from god but that didn't lead the apostle paul to passivity it led him to action and it led him to trust and hope. Paul said, verse 31, Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. You see, there were some of the sailors who were just thinking about themselves and they were going to take the lifeboat and just jet. Maybe they could make it if they just took the lifeboat and leave the, the big boat behind with all the rest of the people on it. And Paul perceived what was going on. He was discerning into what was going on. And he tells the centurion, hey, if, if these guys don't stay on the boat, we're not going to make it. These guys know how to navigate the boat. These guys do the boat. And so, so we see here divine sovereignty and human responsibility working together. One theologian says this. Uh, concerning the, this section here. He says, verses 24 and 31 provide an interesting illustration of the biblical viewpoint regarding divine sovereignty and human responsibility. God knew that all on the vessel would be preserved, and if God knows it, it is certain and cannot be otherwise. At the same time, God's sovereignty, which incurred their safety, was not intended to discourage human effort, for this was the means by which God would achieve the end in view amen and so they work together here at city church we embrace both of those we believe that god is sovereign that our lives are in his hands and we also want to be faithful we're committed to being faithful to do our part as christians to do what we know we're supposed to do what's clear and revealed in scripture lastly i want to point out that paul exemplified gratitude 
And, and I could also throw in there, he was thinking about other people as well. He was others oriented. In contrast to these sailors who were just trying to save themselves, Paul was thinking about the group collectively, not just himself. Okay? There's a tendency for us when we're in storms and in trials and under pressure, there's a tendency for us to just start thinking about ourselves. I love the example of Jesus when he's going to the cross and the pressure is starting to squeeze his soul and he's feeling the burden of the weight that he's about to carry. When he was going to the cross, he's thinking about other people. He's thinking about his disciple. He prays for them. John 17, he washes his disciples' feet. I don't know about you, but like if I stub my toe or if I'm sick, I have this tendency to start focusing inward. I just want to crawl up in my bed and suck my thumb and rest. Just kidding, I don't suck my thumb. But that's our tendency, isn't it? Just to, to think about what hurts, what we're experiencing. But Paul was thinking about other people in that. And he also ex- exemplified gratitude. He thanked God before them. He thanked God for the food. Verse 30, 34. These guys hadn't eaten for two weeks. Okay? And he encourages them to eat. Like, guys, you need to eat. Okay? You need to, need to take care of yourself. Now, maybe they were seasick. Or maybe the fear and the anxiety and the intensity of the circumstance just brought them, brought them to the place where they lost their appetite completely. Okay. Well, Paul says, I urge you, take some food for it'll be good. It'll be, it'll give you strength. Not a hair is to perish from your head, from the head of any of you. And when he said these things, he took the bread. He gave thanks to God in the presence of all. He broke it and he began to eat. And listen to this, verse 36. They were all encouraged and they ate some food themselves. I like this. This is real simple, real practical advice here. Those guys needed to have some strength to, to get to the island there. And so Paul exemplified gratitude. He heard from God. He encouraged others. Paul, thinking about others, Paul gave wise advice. And then we see them land in Malta. Okay, they, they shipwreck. So he goes through storm and he goes through shipwreck. And he lands on, they land on this little island called Malta. It says, after we were brought safely through, we learned that the island was called Malta and the native people showed us unusual kindness for they kindled a fire and welcomed us because it had begun to rain and it was cold. And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and put them in the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. And when the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, no doubt this man's a murderer. Though he escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. <laughs> this is this is humorous to me. Uh, it's humorous because I'm like, I'm, I, I can... Sometimes I, I, I can relate to what I think Paul must have felt in this moment. Like, come on, can I get a break here? We just, we had the storm, the shipwreck, now the snake on my hand? Come on, give me a break here. Of course, he still had a positive attitude with this whole circumstance. And then here's these native people who are judging him like, you know, this is a murderer. That's why this, these things are happening to you. Kind of like Job's friends. You know, like, yeah, we know, we know this is happening to you, Joe, because you did something wrong here. Beware of always equating difficult circumstances to your personal sin or someone else's personal sin. 
because uh, it's not always the case. There are times when we incur pain and difficult circumstances on ourselves, but it's not always the case. And it's painful for us and offensive and harmful to others when we assume that about somebody else going through a difficult time. That, yeah, they're getting what they deserve here. Right? Because it's not always the case. And here's the Apostle Paul, right in the middle of God's will, doing God's will, serving God, loving God, being faithful to God, storm, shipwreck, snake bite. And also notice too, Paul was doing some little practical things there. He wasn't, he wasn't beyond pick, gathering sticks to build a fire. He was doing some practical things that needed to be done. Verse five, it says, he, however, shook the creature off into the fire and suffered no harm. They were waiting for him to swell up and suddenly fall down dead. But when they waited a long time and saw no misfortune come to him, they changed their minds and they said that he was a god. These guys are so flickle, aren't they? He's a murderer. He's getting what he deserves. No, I think he's a god. Like he endured this, this snake bite, right? These guys are back and forth here. This reminds me of what Luke wrote, quoting Jesus in Luke ten nineteen. This is exemplified, illustrated in the story. Jesus said, Behold, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Paul was going to make it to Rome. Regardless of the storm, regardless of the shipwreck, regardless of the snake bite, God was sovereign over his circumstances. God was sovereign over his storm. God was with him through the storm. And yet he still had to go through it. And, and at this point, his influence has increased. He, from, from going from on the ship where nobody really trusted him, you know, that there was little trust, little credibility, like, no, we're not going to heed your advice, to this guy uh, on the island here. This guy's a god. So then what happens in verse 7, it says, Now in the neighborhood of that place where the lands belonging to the chief of the island named Publius, Publius, who received us and entertained us hospitably for three days, it happened that the father of Publius, Publius lay sick with fever and dysentery. And Paul visited him and prayed and putting his hands on him, healed him. And when he had taken place, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases came and were cured. And they also honored us greatly and they were about to sail and they put on board whatever we needed. So here's extreme favor and God working supernaturally through the apostle Paul. His influence increases in the lives of these guys on the island, in the lives of those on the ship. And Paul makes it to Rome. He finally makes it to Rome. Through many toils, snares, and through many trials, toils, and snares, I have already come, John Newton said. Twas grace that brought me safe thus far. Grace will lead me home. God was in his sovereign grace leading and guiding Paul to where he wanted him to be, namely in Rome, the which was the superpower of the day. Look, look in verse 28. I'm going to wrap it up here. When they had appointed a day for him, they came to him at his lodging in great numbers. From morning until evening, he expounded to them, testifying the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. And some were convinced, 
by what he had said and others disbelieved. Paul had this sweet little setup. He was on house arrest. He had his own place. Um, verse 30, and this is in 31. This is the last verse in the book of Acts. It's an interesting way to end a story by Dr. Luke. And by the way, Luke was with him. Luke was traveling with him. When Luke describes this story, he says, we. So Luke was there with Paul through this, this voyage. Verse 31 and 30 and 31. He lived there two whole years at his own expense and he welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness, without hindrance. I love this ending. Not because it's uh, super smooth. It seems a bit abrupt, doesn't it? Like just there. He just, he continued to preach and teach. And you know, I think it's important to note that you and I are a part of carrying that torch, continuing to carry that torch. The story is not over of witnesses for Jesus going throughout the whole world and testifying of the gospel of grace. Paul did that to the very end of his life. And you and I get, a, get to be a part of Acts chapter 29. Carrying the message of the gospel to every relationship. Sharing the message of the gospel boldly. Proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. The gospel of Jesus Christ so that people will come to faith. And we can trust, in closing, we can trust in God's sovereignty. That God is sovereign in our storms and he will be with us and he will strengthen us. He will never leave us nor forsake us. He promised in the great commission, lo, I'm with you always. When he says he commanded, go make disciples of all nations. And he also promised, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. We can trust that. While the Bradleys are over there in Ethiopia and there's tension and turmoil there, God is with them. God is walking with them. Listen for God's voice to give you hope and perspective through your storms. It's been said that if you're not going through a trial right now, you've probably just came out of one or you're about to go through one. Okay, in this life, you will have tribulations. You will have trials. You will have difficulty. Life will be challenging. There will be storms that we experience, but God is sovereign over the storm. There's a song we, we sang last, um, um, uh, last summer we did VBS and it was, the theme of it was shipwreck. And there was a song we kept singing together and the kids memorize it and still sing it. In the eye of the storm, you remain in control. In the middle of the war, you guard my soul. You alone are the anchor. When the veil is torn, your love surrounds me in the eye of the storm. So God is sovereignly working. Listen for his voice through your storm, through your difficulty, through your challenges. And avoid passivity by being proactive to do what you can in the storm. Doing what you know God has called you to do. Be faithful. And it, there may be a season of waiting and asking and seeking and knocking. And you may be weary, but there is a light at the end of the tunnel. God is going to come through. God will deliver us. And if you don't see it here in this life, you're promised eternal deliverance, eternal life 
in a, a world of perfect peace, joy, love, where there's justice and righteousness, where there's no more suffering and no more pain, where we get to be in the presence of God Almighty forevermore. Amen? And so let's pray. Let's close in prayer and respond singing and praying to our God who is sovereign over the storm. Jesus, with one word, spoke to the storm with his disciples and it stopped. He said, peace, be still, and it stopped. God can do that. God can do that. And so if you're here today and you're going through a difficult time in life, you're in a storm, you're in a trial, and you're weary and you're discouraged and you need strength that comes from God, help that comes from God, we want to pray with you. We want to encourage you. If you just put your hand up, we'll come to you where you're at and just pray for you that the God of hope would fill you with joy and peace and believing and cause hope to abound by the power of the Spirit in your life.